Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Partnership Sunday 2022 by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're always speaking and so Holy Spirit, we open ourselves and make ourselves available that you would speak to us today. In your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you'd like to meet me in Mark chapter 4. This morning I would like to anchor what I have to say, Uh, I'd like to anchor it very strongly in what I consider to be one of the most profound parables in the Bible, and it's only found in the Gospel of Mark. It teaches us some very beautiful truths. And this morning, if, if you're new here, welcome, but this morning my aim is to unpack both my heart and the heart of the leadership here for the church as we move forward. What is, what is my heart? What is our heart? Why are we here? And what do I believe God is saying? And one of the most important things, I actually wasn't going to share this, but I will. Uh, one of the most important things I think we need to understand, I strongly believe we need to understand, is that God is a seasonal God. What do I mean by that? For those of us that are creeping into winter now, I guess we know that there's been a change in seasons. And And many times I have people say to me, hey, you know what, I wouldn't mind going to Tasmania. How can I catch summer in Tasmania? It's very hard to predict those three days every year. So please please don't ask me to try and nail that down for you. But just as we have physical seasons, we have spiritual seasons. And just as we have spiritual seasons that are just like spring, where God brings newness and freshness and new life, And just as we have summers where we all get our bikinis on and go down to the beach. You wear a bikini, right, Ross? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A mankini, yeah. Barat. But just as we enjoy the fruits of summer and then we start to move into autumn where things begin to fall away, we also come into seasons in God that are like winter where God cuts us back prunes out the dead wood and right now we are standing, I strongly believe that we are standing at the close of a spiritual winter and we are about to move into a spiritual spring. There has been, I believe, COVID from the moment lockdowns began, I strongly believe that COVID was a tool in God's hand to do a deep work amongst his church. I'm not saying God caused COVID. Please get off Google and send me the emails later. But for a moment, I believe that God has used it for his glory and will continue to use it for his glory. Before there can be newness, before there can be new growth, there has to be a period of cutting back. The problem is when we're in the winters, we look to the springs and go, well, God's not doing anything because this is what it looks like. And so I want to encourage you this morning that God has been at work and is still at work and has been doing a deep and profound work. And what I'm encouraged at is I look across the landscape of the rock and I'm convinced that God has and is doing a deep work in all of us and is bringing us into a new season. A couple of things I'd like to share, maybe to clarify and maybe to rub out any confusion as we move forward in him. Talking, I want to talk this morning briefly, very briefly, about a very good friend of mine. Uh, without this friend, I am completely nothing. And that friend, of course, is the Holy Spirit. And I want to clear a few things up before we go any further. He is a very, very good friend of mine. And most of us in this room will say exactly the same thing. 
And what I appreciate about my friend is that what he's been doing since the dawn of creation, he's still doing today. What, what I find in Genesis chapter 1 is I find that the earth was formless and void and there was darkness over the face of the deep. But what do we see? We see the Holy Spirit hovering, bringing, bringing order where there is chaos, where there is darkness, he brings light. Where God's word is being spoken, the Holy Spirit is ready to move. What I do appreciate about my friend, the Holy Spirit, is that Jesus, when talking about him to a religious leader, Nicodemus, he says that the wind blows wherever it wishes. Something very important we need to learn this morning, that we need to grasp, that that I'd like to encourage you with, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't move according to the formulas and programs of man. I want to be categorically clear this morning. The wind blows wherever he wishes. Uh, Our responsibility is to raise the sails, friends. A lot of conversations could sound like God's not moving, the Holy Spirit's not moving, the Holy Spirit's not blowing. I'd like to encourage you this morning, the wind's blowing. Have you got your sails up? In the short time that I've been pastoring here, in the few years that I've been here, I've seen the Holy Spirit do exactly that. I have seen him take what appears to be chaos, confusion and darkness in people's life and bring tremendous light and transformation. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's revival. But often we say, well, there's no prayer lines out the front. There's no goosebumps on a Sunday. The Spirit stopped moving. And I'm open to all of that. Most of us in this room have done serious carpet time. But for a moment, can we remember Pentecost when everybody standing around at Pentecost was wondering what these things mean because they hadn't seen it before. And we are in danger of putting the Holy Spirit in a box saying, well, you have to move this way, you have to blow that way. When he will move and he will blow however he wants. I want to encourage you this morning to be available and to be open. Lastly, for so often... And the Lord's really done a work in my heart over this as well. So often we pray, Father, pour out your spirit. Father, pour out your spirit. I've got some great news for everybody in this room this morning. He's already done it. In fact, Acts chapter 2, verse 33 says, And he who he has poured out. Titus, Paul writing to Titus, and says of the Holy Spirit, in whom he has poured out on all of us. And so often our prayer is, pour out your spirit, Lord, pour out your spirit. But this morning, I would encourage you to change those prayers to empty us, Lord. If you want to be full this morning, then I encourage you to maybe pray empty us. But I want to warn you, that's not always going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. (laughs) But I'm excited. I'm excited because I firmly believe that God is doing a deep work amongst his people, not just here, but across the landscape of the church. I love the local church. I love to see what God is doing amongst many different churches. And I'm encouraged at what God is doing here. Before we step in this morning, a number of weeks ago, I wrote about erosion. And I've become increasingly concerned as some aspects and I want you to know and to warn you and to encourage you and to exhort you that I believe that if we're not careful all of us both as individuals and as churches can suffer erosion in fact there's evidence of it now 
And you see, erosion happens when outside forces pressing upon slowly and gradually erode, erode values, erode priorities, erode certain things. And I think there's three major areas of concern that we need as a church and as the people of God, we need to stand against. Number one is this. Uh, I believe as we look across the landscape of church, there's been an enormous erosion in priorities. Can I be categorically clear this morning that uh, my calling here is not to fill seats. My, my calling here is not to gather spectators. My calling and our mission and vision here is not to grow spectators, but to make disciples. And the focus becomes less on quantity and more on quality. I believe there's been an erosion in some respects in maturity. And we see sometimes... Christians shattered by what appears to be storms in their lives and when you scratch beneath the surface and you get back down to the foundations, there's been some sand there. And the last one, which I think is really important as we move forward, for all of us as individuals in the church, I believe there's been an erosion in personal holiness. You look back at the days uh, of Wesley. You look back. Everybody looks back at those days when uh, Charles Finney. I mean, uh, some people say they felt like the building was shaking when they were in a Charles Finney uh, meeting. George Whitfield. I think I was sharing with Ross or somebody yesterday. uh, George Whitfield could preach open air, and guys on the docks two kilometres away could hear him. That's not man. That was God moving. Powerfully, but there was also a great emphasis on personal holiness. Uh, I am sometimes shocked that at what we would tolerate today, that 20 years ago we would never have tolerated. And often we assess holiness and often we assess godliness as being what it is that we cut out of our lives externally. But the word godliness is uh, about what is on the inside. It's about how we view God. It's about the place that he holds in our life. It's about how we reverence and awe him. And from that flows everything on the outside. It's like we can put a Christmas tree up. You can throw all the decorations on that tree that you like, but it's going to die. Because there's no life on the inside. Uh, many here will know that when I was in Tasmania, I worked in the forestry. And predominantly, our aim was to produce one of three different coops. A coop is just a, an area where we planted. And... Often the, the mindset was that we have to produce pulp. Pulp was for wood chips and for paper. And so we would have either pine or what they call an option one woodlot. Now, pine was good. You could plant it anywhere. It grew fast, but it, it, it was shallow-rooted. And it didn't take much wind to blow them over. And so you could plant a big coop of pine trees, but by the time you've got time to cut them all down and harvest them, you've maybe got about a 60% retention rate because of the destruction and the ones that fall over and the, the shallow rooted they grow quickly same with the pulp uh, pulp was like precious you know we had to we had to plant it on farm ground you had to fertilize it right you had to do everything right uh, and even then it was shallow rooted and often didn't last very long but uh, the third one we would plant was what we call an option two woodlot 
And you see, pulp was designed to grow in 12 years. It was a 12-year, 6% return. It was all managed investment stuff, but it was different. The mindset was different with an option two woodlot. We, we want hardwood. Now, in Tasmania, at the collapse of the forestry, what happened was we were left with uh, literally thousands of acres of plantations that are no good anymore. Nobody's ever going to use them. Uh, nobody's ever going to put them through the chipper. Nobody wants them. They're just sitting on empty ground, apart from the option two woodlots. But somebody said, you know what, um, let's take all this stuff that we've planted for pulp, uh, was a member of the Greens political party, would you believe, and uh, let's use this for hardwood and for building houses. But there was a problem. Sounds like a good idea. And the builders in the room are going, I'm not sure this is a good idea. And it wasn't a good idea because it's grown fast, it's fertilised heavily, and what you actually end up with is you hold wood in your hand that's lighter than paper. You can just... You can't build with that. But an option two woodlot was different. It was often planted in billy goat country in adverse circumstances because it grew the best timber. Option two woodlots were not 12 years. We always aimed for 25 years. And right from the outset, there was special attention and care given to each and every tree that was planted because you were looking forward to these trees. They they, they would be planted. They would be fertilised. They would be secondary fertilised. They would be form pruned. They would be first, second, third pruned because you're all about six metres of clear wood. And what you end up with after 25 years is an enormous forest of trees that have withstood all the adverse... Because the weather in Tasmania is unpleasant at times. Has resisted all of that and has become an enormous forest which is now not only planted but is bearing its own seeds and throwing seeds everywhere. And my heart for the Rock Christian Church is that we wouldn't be a pine plantation, that we wouldn't be an option one woodlot, but that we would be an option two woodlot that is grown, that is strong, that have our roots and foundations very deep and that we are ones that are throwing seeds everywhere we go. I want the bloke that you're getting coffee off in the morning with all those ear piercings and tattoos everywhere that you don't understand what they mean. I want that guy to be under threat when you get your coffee because you're throwing seeds in his life every time you're there. I want to see people prayer walking their neighbourhoods. I want your neighbours to be unsafe in the enemy's hands because you're sowing seeds wherever you go. How do we do that? Sounds good, Pastor. Nice little pump-up talk you've given us. Sounds great. But how do we do that? You know, it's actually easier than you think it is. Today I want to talk about spiritual growth. I want to talk about how we here and our heart here at The Rock is to help you in that. But it's important to know that spiritual growth has two components. Your component and God's component. Many of those coops that I planted, when I go back to Tasmania and I drive around, they're still there, believe it or not. I haven't set foot on any one of those plantations since the seedlings were that high. And now we're talking nine, ten metre trees. And what have I done? There's something very mysterious 
about growth, something that's out of our hands. But there is a certain amount that's in our hands. You see, every one of those plantations, we diligently planted every tree. We fertilised every single tree. We planted uh, the right soil moisture index. There was a certain part that we played. And there's a certain part that we have no control over. Jesus says, speaking to the multitude, not just to his disciples now, in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And the kingdom of God speaks about God's dominion, God's reign and God's rule. And that is certainly uh, measured outside here. Of course, we're talking, whenever you pray, God, your kingdom come, of course, we're talking that, that he would advance his dominion and his reign and his rule in people's lives. But it's also a prayer for us that his reign in our hearts, that his rule in our hearts would be extended. God has a kingdom that was established through Christ. Uh, He has a kingdom which is growing daily and weekly. He has a kingdom that does not have physical boundaries or borders. It is measured in the capacity of people's hearts. Every person in this room I pray and trust is a part of that kingdom. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, That's what he's talking about. And he says, it is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Other parables, Jesus has told us from previous parables that the seed is always a reference to the word of God. The ground is a reference to the soil condition of your heart. And so... If we read on, we'll read the whole parable, then we'll come back and pull it apart. Verse 27, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. I love this term, he knows not how. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Good news, I am believing God for a harvest, but it begins here inside these walls. It begins here. God does his work here that flows outside of these walls. And our commitment is in this place, we will sow the seed. We will sow the word of God. Right now, you could take any seed on the planet and science could actually replicate that seed. Uh, they, could, they could pull it apart. They could find the composition of the seed. They could replicate the materials and they could even have them sitting side by side, the natural one and the replica. And side by side, you wouldn't tell the difference until you put it in the soil and only the natural one germinates. Why? Because that's the one that's got life in it. So our commitment here is to sow the word of God. Why? Because that's what's got the life in it. Google hasn't got any life in it. Extracurricular and extra biblical books don't have any life in them. Life coach messages don't have any life in them. Why? Because God's word is the seed that brings forth a harvest. Blessed be his wonderful name. He has made it really simple. I've got the easiest job in the world. Don't tell the board. I've got the easiest job in the world. Why? Because God's word does its own work, man. Second Timothy chapter 3, I'd like to read some verses here. Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith. He also writes to Titus. 
And it's interesting, I've been soaking, I've been bathing in these epistles of late. It's interesting what Paul found important compared to what we find important today. When he's writing to Timothy, he doesn't say, uh, make sure your youth group's at 50 people. Uh, Paul didn't say anything to Timothy or Titus about turning the lights down. He didn't say anything to Timothy or Titus about making sure you sing hymns and make sure all the songs are Hillsong songs. None of that was here. Paul never says, have you broken the 200 barrier yet? In fact, there's no record they were counting anybody. What Paul does say to both Timothy and Titus is these sort of phrases. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He also says, and this is a great one for leadership today, be an example. Set the believers an example in love, in gentleness, charging them to adhere to sound doctrine. Wow. It's interesting what Paul found important to what we find important. He says in chapter 3, verse 16 of 2 Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. I love that verse in the Gospels where it says, uh, at the end of gospel, uh, the Gospel of John, where it says that Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Would you like to experience the breath of God today? It's right here. You can experience God breathing in your... You don't need me. That's not a challenge to the board, by the way. (laughs) You don't need me, you need the Holy Spirit. He's the greatest guardian you'll ever meet. All scripture is breathed out by God, and I love this, and profitable what for? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is profitable for teaching. Teaching is about correction, which brings about a position of virtue. Reproof is about confronting sinfulness. My number one job here is to make you uncomfortable. Many people tell me I do. So it means I'm on the... You said this, Pastor, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Check. I'm making you uncomfortable. I'm good at it. Can I tell you that sin is a dirty word inside of churches and outside of churches in many phases today. But it is the one thing that is keeping you from a deep relationship with God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, which is all about restoring to a right position, not about rubbing somebody's nose in their mistakes, just so that we know. The Word of God is beautiful. That, And I love this last one. And for training in righteousness. That word training there is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy. So when he says to Timothy, you know what, physical training is of some benefit, but godliness is of great benefit. And that word in the Greek is gymnazo, where we get our word for gymnasium. And how many people have I seen sign up to the gym and two weeks later they don't get the immediate results and they're out the door? But what what Paul was teaching Timothy and what the Word of God is teaching us here, that it is profitable for training. It's it's profitable for exercising and you have to be disciplined. But it produces results. And if you go to the gym long enough, you may be as buff as some of the people that go to the gym. But... 
for correction and for training in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God or woman of God may be competent, which means fitted and equipped for every good work. And that's really my heart here. We're not called to have a holy huddle here every Sunday. We are called to be missionaries. C.H. Spurgeon says every single believer is either a missionary or an imposter. I'm glad he said it because I can't get in trouble for it. But he has a point. When you go to work, you're a missionary. When you're getting your coffee, you're a missionary. When you're at the supermarket, you're a missionary. But it does start here. And being equipped... I love that term. Most of us will, will associate the term equipping with Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, interesting chapter where uh, 1 Corinthians 12, you'll note that we have the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what we have in Ephesians chapter 4 is gifts given by Jesus Christ to the body. Your, your calling doesn't rest in 1 Corinthians 12. They are gifts that support your calling. Every person here slots into one of those five-fold ministries. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Why does Jesus give those gifts to the body? That we may all be equipped for every good work. The other place we find that word equipped is a really interesting place. Jesus was walking along the shores of Galilee and the disciples were equipping their nets. What had happened was they'd been out fishing all day. They come back, there's holes in the nets, there's, there, there's weakness in the nets. So what are they doing? They're mending the nets, they're preparing the nets. Why? To catch fish. And what God does in here is prepare us as his people to be his net out there. Mark chapter 4. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And our commitment here is that we will sow the word of God. We will sow the word of God on Sundays, on Sunday nights. That's our heart uh, throughout our life groups and amongst our youth. We're, We're bringing some radical changes to how we're approaching youth. Why? Because statistics show, which scared me a little bit, but statistics show that youth that grow up in church, by the time they're 20 to 25, 75% of them will drift away from the church. And many parents are probably nodding on the inside going, that's my kids. And often what we do is we try to address these problems downstream. And it's kind of like a, a number of weeks ago I spoke about... Uh, the guy, the river monsters guy that was in India and he, he goes to all the pollution in the Ganges and the, the pollution they measure while the, by the time they get to the major cities is horrendous but that's actually not where the problem is. The problem is upstream where all the pollutants are getting poured in. He says, I've been to the source of these rivers and they're clean. He says, but by the time you get down here, the fish are floating because they're dead. Um, and the reason isn't necessarily addressing the problem here. We have to go back upstream. And so often we get to the 20 to 25 year age bracket, for example, and we think, well, the problem's all there. We have to, we, we have to pull all of our resources there, and we do. But the problem lies in laying a foundation while they're in Kids Rock. A foundation of the Word of God that will see them mature in a relationship with Christ through their teenage years into their early adult years 
right through into adulthood. And, and often in our own lives, we, we, we look here at a downstream problem. We think, well, you know, I've got this problem. Maybe it's an addiction problem. Maybe it's an area that you're struggling in constantly. Maybe it's attitudes, whatever it is. And we look here, we try, to, we try to fix it there. When how many of us know that the problem's actually back up here? And what I love about the Word of God is it does all of that work. The word of God was sown in good seed and we have a responsibility here to prepare our hearts. Uh, uh, The reality is you could come here every Sunday, you could read the Bible every morning at home and you could have zero effect in your life. And uh, I believe that God has a way of preparing the soil in our hearts that we are committed to. Uh, One of those ways here is fellowship. Uh, I appreciate it. For those that were here when Mark Connor came, uh, Mark Connor, <laughs> we had a meeting organised for after the service and I said, look, I'll order lunch to be ready for 12.30. Uh, meeting finishes at 11, Mark, and, and we'll have lunch at 12.30. And he says, no, look, he says, I'm happy to eat at half past 11, 12 o'clock. I said, no, you don't seem to understand. I said, we can't get people out of here before 12 o'clock. <laughs> and later on, he said something which I found very encouraging. He said, you know, when I go to the football in Melbourne... Real football, by the way, for those that are wondering. He says, when I go to the... We're going to move on very quickly because it's State of Origin tonight, so I'm going to move on really quickly. Uh, Don't forget, son, all the spiritual people will be here tonight. (laughs) But he says, you know, when I go to a football event, he says, everyone's all excited and loving it and yelling and screaming. He says, but when the siren goes, they're out. He says, the difference between running an event... And a church service, is he says, when the siren goes, everybody leaves at an event. I mean, some days here I wonder whether I should pack a lunch. <laughs> That's not a challenge, by the way. <laughs> but there is something deeply spiritual about fellowship. There is something deeply spiritual that tills away at our hearts. There is, there is something deeply divine and spiritual about worship. That's why we sing songs. Why? Because it does a work in our hearts as we come around the word of God. And, of course, prayer. Verse 27, he sleeps and rises night and day. What's he doing? Nothing. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how because the earth produces by itself. That is God's part. Often we can get that mixed up. Often we try to do God's work for him. Maybe it looks like we just need to start new programs. We just need to, uh, we don't need to do any of that. God has given us what our responsibility is. If we will cling to his word, if we will live by his word, if we will uh, 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 soak ourselves in his word, then it does a divine work in our hearts and in our lives. Verse 29, but when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come, and I believe and am believing God for a harvest. A harvest in each of our lives, and a harvest locally. There are people hurting, there are people who are lost. And we have the answer. Today's Partnership Sunday. And it's the one Sunday a year that we make space. 
We make space for you as an individual to make a decision whether you want to be planted here. You see, if you keep travelling around in a pot plant, then your potential is inhibited. But when you say to God, take me out of the pot plant and plant me somewhere, then your potential can reach its full ability. And so today, Partnership Sunday, just so that I'm clear, it's, this is nothing about membership or anything like that. We're not, we're not asking you to sign a pledge for money. We're not asking you to, to, to do any of those things. This is simply between you and God. Our vision here is for strong, mature men, women and children of God growing together and scattering seeds everywhere we go. I lay a challenge to each and every one of us today as a church. Do you want to see the Spirit move in your life? I do. Then then get on your knees and say, God, empty me. We are yet to see what God can do through a church of a couple of hundred people that get on their knees and say, you know what, God? You have your way. Use me to impact that guy making my coffee. Give me the words to say to my boss at work. And so Partnership Sunday is the opportunity. If you feel led, you can come out and sign our picture here. Many people have done it. And so, in fact, some of the names are starting to fade off. We'll have to go over them. Uh, if you misbehave, we rub you out. That's how it works. <laughs> We've rubbed you out twice, Liz. So. I just keep writing. You just keep signing it. But, but this is an agreement between you and God. Just saying, you know what, God, I'm here. I want to bloom where I'm planted and I want to join in the vision and partner with these guys. Because partnership, Paul says to the Philippians, you alone have partnered with me in the work of the ministry, in spreading the gospel. I'm going to ask Karen if she can come up and just play gently. And if you feel led, then we, we give you the opportunity to, to come and sign. Maybe you just want to make that agreement in your own heart where you sit. But can we pray before we head off? Father, I pray that you would help us to build disciples, disciplined followers of Christ. I pray that you would use us as individuals and as a church to spread the seeds of your word and your gospel everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, we boldly pray empty us that we may be full we want to raise the sails Holy Spirit we invite you into this church we invite you into every life group meeting we invite you into every prayer meeting we invite you into every church service I pray that you would invade the heart of every individual in this place. 
Build us, we pray. Shape us, mold us, and use us, we pray. In your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.